Welcome to the Create What You Speak podcast. Join me as we have a real life discussion on how to change your life by changing your thoughts. Remember, question everything, trust yourself, and find your truth. Welcome to the Create What You Speak podcast. My name is Sloan Fremont, and I'm your host. So how many of you listening are worried about money these days? Maybe 2020 got you looking at things and you found out that what we've been told about money, about building wealth, about the banking system and how it works isn't exactly what we thought or what we've been told over the years. And I know a lot of these kinds of questions aren't actually socially acceptable. And you can, and maybe if you've asked them, you've been called a conspiracy theorist or something worse, something worse. Um, but today we're going to get into, into that and we're going to get to the bottom of some of these questions. My guest today is Tim Pachotti, and he's known as a Liberty Advisor. Tim is a trailblazer in the field of crypto wealth management, and he has an amazing story to tell about being true to his beliefs and finding his niche and finding his way with clients and uh, utilizing advanced financial planning solutions. Tim's website actually says, congratulations on finding one of the only financial advisors that has taken the red pill, which is exactly what drew me to him. So if you're red pilled, you know, the federal reserve isn't actually federal or a reserve. If you're aware of the great reset and you're looking for alternative ways to preserve assets such as crypto, this episode is for you, Tim, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm, uh, I've been looking forward to this conversation. Um, everything that your background, your history, what you do is, um, I, I love your story. So let's start out a little bit, uh, having you tell us about yourself and how you became known as a Liberty Advisor. Yeah, so in 2008, uh, I mean, dating myself here, I was graduating college and I took a class on the Federal Reserve and we won the national competition. Just to be clear, I, I, wasn't, I was the only person in my class that wasn't on this competition because I was busy doing water polo and other stuff. And it was just a bunch of nerds going to New York City every weekend. <laughs> and I didn't really feel like doing that. But it was my classmates, they won the national competition against Harvard, Yale, MIT. And I thought I knew a lot about the Federal Reserve, like the first guy that I trained underneath as a CFP. Uh, you know, he had been on that same class like four years before, and he had won the national competition. So I thought I was in a pretty good position to know what's going on. And while I was in that class, it actually our this the class saying was in fed we trust, you know, instead of like in God yeah. we trust. I mean, that should have been the first clue right there. <laughs> but as, as we're, you know, as I graduate, everything starts going to hell in the handbasket. My first day on a job, Lehman Brothers collapses. And I was told this whole time that like the Federal Reserve was basically God and they've got everything under control and don't worry about anything. And like day one, literally everything just, you know, completely, you know, that's when 2008 collapse started. So that got me looking into everything, trying to reverse engineer uh, the, the collapse and all these guys, like I initially would like wanted to work for these big banks and wanted to work for Goldman Sachs and like looked up to all of them. And then, then I started reverse engineering how all this went down and figured out that they were pretty much the ones like the big banks are the ones who basically caused all this stuff. And then one day I was in a hot tub with a client and his wife's friend or something. And then all of a sudden their husband and all of a sudden, this guy who looks like Rob Zombie uh, <laughs> looks like he's homeless. And my client was a doctor. So I mean, I'm not hanging out with like homeless looking people. But uh, he starts telling me the Federal Reserve is private. And I'm like, you're full of crap. There's no way it's private. And he tells me to look into this uh, documentary called From Freedom to Fascism. So I you know, watched that. Uh, and then that starts getting me down this rabbit hole. And I start researching and researching and researching and then find out that I was wrong. And I was like, well, how could I be wrong in this when I was on the national 
class to win the national competition right. on this. I had a series seven stockbroker's license, a series 66, uh, had my life acts in health, was on my way to becoming one of the youngest certified financial planners, probably like in the world. And I'm like, how, if I didn't know this, like who the hell else doesn't know this? Because right. I was in the prime position to know that. And I like being right on things and, you know, an Italian New Yorker. So I don't want to admit that I'm wrong. And then, so it really pissed me off that I r- realized that I was sort of duped on this. And uh, then my girlfriend at the time happened to buy me the book Creature from Jekyll Island, mm-hmm. which she just randomly just asked somebody in the bookstore what to get on the Federal Reserve. And they actually told her not to get that. And she got it. I didn't even know the book existed. Mm-hmm. And I've got a signed copy of it just like five feet in front of me. And essentially, that book sort of was like the blueprint for you know a lot of what's going on. And, and then it also helped me kind of understand the whole kind of climate change. At the time, I think it was still branded as global warming. Uh, how that was sort of like a hustle to eventually get a carbon tax. And I mean, it doesn't mean that I don't care about the environment. I'm not trying to burn tires, but I mean, there's a financial and that's a whole nother podcast on, you know, going green and the whole like ESG movement and like the underlying funds of that. But uh, anyway, so then this all led me to, I was trying to think to myself, okay, well, are there any politicians that are trying to do something about this? And then I discovered Dr. Ron Paul, then I moved out to Phoenix, Arizona, which uh, you know was sort of like the birthplace of the Ron Paul Revolution. You had the first Ron Paul meetup group in America was uh, was formed here, and actually, like, one of the guys that formed that now is one of the January six people who got charged with seditious conspiracy like a week ago or two weeks ago. But there was a lot of activism going on here, and I obviously a lot more than New York, and so I moved out of New York as quick as I could, and. Uh, and, and I sort of did things a little bit backwards because most people found out about Dr. Ron Paul, then found out about the Fed, and I found out about the Fed, then found out about him. And then now because of him and Gio Griffin and, uh, you know, all these other trailblazers, you know, probably tens of millions of people have woken up to this. So it's a lot different today than it was in 2009, 2008. There's, you know, tens of millions of people worldwide that sort of know what's going on or have an idea of what's going on. And unfortunately, then the system uses that to then like divert them into like the wrong sort of solution. And that's a whole nother, you know, topic in and of itself. Yeah. But that's, that's how I got into, you know, the, the role as a Liberty advisor. And actually, originally I was a libertarian advisor and then the libertarian party really pissed me off. <laughs> and, uh, basically you had the, the Bill Weld, who was the vice, vice, uh, presidential candidate, big Rhino Republican guy. He was against talking against guns. And then you know, I'm like, if you got the, if you got the, you know, the vice presidential candidate talking you know about guns i mean it might as well be the democratic party and so um i basically left that then i then came back last in 2020 was a delegate for the party but anyways i switched my name to liberty because i thought that was more of i didn't want to get people get confused and think i was part of like the libertarian (laughs) party even though i mean i there's people in there and there's segments and factions in there that are doing good things but it's all pretty much a waste of time. Like, yeah, I agree. Both both uh, wings of the same bird, so to speak. And and so this topic we're talking about today with the financial system and, and kind of what you came to realize, it's such a big topic and we can go in so many different directions. But I want to clarify before we go on, when you, when you talk about, you know, and it's interesting how you came to know this, right? This random man who uh, wasn't wearing a suit and a tie, right? Is some guy that you said looked homeless at it in, in the hot tub you were in, told you to look this up about the Federal Reserve. And it's like, wait a minute, what? Like, it's like the whole thing is like, like this paradigm or like the, the, um, the curtain fell, right? And you, you saw it for what it was. So, but before we go on, let's talk about when we say this and, and we talk about um, maybe for people who aren't familiar with what the Federal Reserve is or isn't, can we just briefly touch on that before we move on? 
Yeah, so I think the biggest part of the scam that people need to understand, besides the fact that it's not federal and it doesn't reserve anything, and then you've got the IMF, the International Monetary Fund, which is actually a bank, then, then the World Bank is actually a fund, and so everything is always twisted upside down. But yeah. let's say there's three people on an island, and then we're the only three people in the like in our community, in, our, in the world, you know, so to speak, and I want to be the banker, and you uh, want to be a podcast host, and you want to borrow money from me, the banker, and let's say you want to borrow $100. Now, this is the only $100 that exists on the island. I created up out of thin air. I lend you the $100 and say, okay, Sloan, I need this back next year at 3% interest. Well, that means you have to give me back $103 next year. Well, how do you give me $103 if, you only, if only $100 exists on the island? Well, then you've got to then borrow more money. And so essentially, our, the biggest revelation is that our money is backed by debt. And so in order to get, I shouldn't say like our money, but the money that the currency that we use is a better way to put it. The currency that we use is backed by debt. So they, so the federal reserve has to issue treasury bills, bonds, notes, they have to issue debt. And that, and that debt is, you know, promulgated out into society in the terms of like dollar bill, it's digital dollars. And actually just last week, the fed came out with a 40 page policy paper on having a central bank digital currency, which that could be its own topic in and of itself. Yeah, so all these, all there, these yeah. little rabbit holes could be its own like, yeah. little topic. But essentially, the scam is the fact that we need to borrow money from people that never had it to begin with. And then they get to keep 6% interest of all the interest of all the debt. And you can find that on federalreserve.gov's own website. And it's basically a gigantic scam. And, it's, and essentially, it's high tech slavery. Uh, I mean, and then you can get into the whole story of how they went down there underneath fake names in 1911 to this Jekyll Island, which was uh, J.P. Morgan had a big estate down there, along with some of the other richest people in the world. I was actually there in uh, 2020 at the Red Bull conference that Geo Griffin was uh, speaking at and actually drove there so I could avoid wearing a mask. And uh, <laughs> I don't and it's just <laughs> and it's just absolutely insane that and, and what is going on now and actually just just about the end in two months, which is depending on when this episode comes out, there's obviously a lot of stock market turmoil going on and financial market turmoil. And a lot of that is because in March, the Fed's going to stop printing bonds. And basically, they're going to stop buying, buying more bonds. And for the past, you know, pretty much, uh, you know, since 2008, they've been the, the only game in town doing that. And so it's going to be a big paradigm shift when they go from buying $120 billion of bonds a month to zero. Now they're, they're, they're taping or tapering it down like $30 billion a month. But anyways, it's a big it's a big shift, but they get to take right now they're buying mortgages. So they've got essentially they're owning homes that they, from which they never had the money to begin with. So private bankers now own a vast majority of like the new mortgages that are created, but they never had that money to begin with. And this has always been talked about, you know, whether it's, you know, going back to, um, uh, you know, Benjamin Franklin's and if we have it, if we allow private central banks to issue the currency and credit, of our nation, we're going to be homeless on the continent or forefathers conquered. I mean, that is it's a paraphrase of it. Uh, you know, then you, you've also had people like uh, Abraham Lincoln said, I have an army in front of me. That's the South under army of European bankers at my rear. And I far more fear the army at my rear. And actually the story kind of even gets deeper than even the federal reserve. So then, you know, if you take things back to even like the Napoleonic war, essentially you had what was the uh, Bauer family teamed up with Oppenheimer family. And, you know, the Bowers used to be goldsmiths. And then uh, the Oppenheimers like, well, hey, instead of lending money to every Tom, Dick and Harry, why don't you lend money out to governments? And so then they started, uh, so their shield on their door was a red shield, red shield in, in German is Rothschild. That's, a, that's the Rothschild family. That's how they got their name. So, and it, so, I mean, that's not even like the real name. It was Bauer. 
offer. And then, and then you had a German prince who wanted to buy a bunch of English bonds as the Napoleonic Wars going down. They took all this all this money from the German prince, never bought it into the German, never bought into the English bonds. Uh, they found out that basically that Napoleon had lost the war. They spread a rumor saying Napoleon had won the war. It brought the British stock market down to zero. They came in with all the money that they had from that German prince, bought up basically the entire British stock market. Then, and this is all mainland history. Like anybody that thinks this is crazy can just go back and look this up yeah, themselves. Right. And then they basically then owned pretty much the entire British economy, started the Bank of England, then basically married into the royal family which their real name isn't really Windsor, it's Saxe-Coburg-Gotha, and that's a whole other story too. But <laughs> there's this, this whole, uh, and then they had six sons and all their six sons to like all the major banking, uh, you know, powerhouses in Europe, you know, whether it was, you know, Frankfurt or, or uh, Vienna and, you know, all the different banking establishments. And then their, their main man in America, their agent here was Alexander Hamilton. And, and it's no, uh, I think, accident that he's the one that's deified and has a Broadway play and, you know, you don't right. see, you know, right, Broadway right. plays for too many other people out there because he was their main guy. Uh, and then they had a first central bank in America that ended in 1812. That's why the British came here and burned down the White House, not for whatever the textbook says they did, because they the British openly owned it. So they didn't care that, you know, America was free is because they were the ones who controlled the money. Right. And that's why the head of the Rothschild family says, I care not who makes the laws. I care who controls the money and I control the money. Then the second central bank of America ended. Uh, it was around like 18. 37 ish. And that was when Andrew Jackson, uh, you know, said, you guys are in the den of eternal vipers and by eternal God, I shall route you out. And then to be assassinated twice, both guns misfired point blank. The guy who did it said he was put up to it by wealthy European bankers. Uh, and then now it's sort of a big, like a big F you to Andrew Jackson. They then put him on the $20 bill, which is like one of the most widely used bills there are. So like, this is what he was railing against. And then they, they put him on the face of it. Uh, and then the third iteration would be the, what we call it, the federal reserve. And then, uh, but you know, there's been two others. Those two have failed. This one now is failing. And the plan is to eventually get a central bank digital currency, which the fed did launch a 40 page paper last week. Uh, and it's been sort of one of the main things I've been warning against is basically people accepting and being bamboozled into this central bank currency. And also the other thing I was warning about was the time period when the Fed had to start raising rates, not because they wanted to, but because there was actually inflation that they couldn't hide and they were forced to. And it's sort of now crazy that both of these things are sort of coalescing together, uh, together. basically yeah. right now. So, yeah. So let, 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 I want to touch on a couple of things because you said so many things there. And I know, um, there's just so many ways we can go with this because there's so much to say about it. It's such a big topic and so many rabbit holes off of it. But um, I was watching the the movie series Zeitgeist. Have you seen that? I'm sure you have. And yeah, a while I, ago. Yeah. yeah, I watched it again. I was um, and I was watching the one where it was talking about with the banking, with the um, fractional reserve lending. Is that what it's called? Where, yeah. again, what you were talking about when they create the money and then what they do, what the banks do and how they multiply that. And they showed on the screen and unless you can explain that better than I can. But um, I just want to touch on that before we move on to the central bank digital currency, because I think that's so important for people to understand the banking process. Like it's not just the Federal Reserve, it's all the other banks and what they do with that money that comes and, and how that's um, shown on the balance sheet. So can you explain that a little bit? And I don't know if I have the term right. Is it fractional reserve lending? Is that what it's called? The yeah, it's fractional reserve banking. Banking, fractional, okay. Yeah. So can you explain that a little bit? So if you give, you know, lend the bank $100 and basically they can sort of like lever that up, you know, basically 10 times. And so then all of a sudden, you know, they get to lend out $1,000 based off of your 100 
And so if you go to the Even bank, though they don't I mean, have the thousand dollars in reserves. Yeah. So they don't have the money in reserves. And so that's, you know, sort of like the whole, you know, one of the biggest parts of AM is the fact that you've got like the base money that's out there, which they stopped publishing the data, the data for that like a year ago. And then they had like this other, what they call it M3 data that they stopped publishing in like 2008. I mean, I'm sure that was a big coincidence. Uh, you know, all these dates, because what they don't right. point to, if, you know, if we were to pull this up on a chart, is that basically it's like a hot, it looks like, you know, the, uh, the cactus give a middle finger in the background. It's just basically straight up, like the, like the money supplies, it's going nuts. And so the thing is, that's like sort of the base money, but then that money can then be multiplied out. And then that person, and then it can kind of keep expanding and expanding right. and expanding and expanding. Right. And then you add in like derivatives and other things. And, and that's the thing, like people are like, oh, I don't want to get into crypto because I don't understand crypto. I'm like, well, you probably don't understand uh, reverse repos and the repo market and how everything works in the in like the, the traditional system either. So, you know, it's it's a basically it's a high tech scam where essentially the best slave is someone that doesn't know that they are a slave. Right. And I'm not trying to mince words like we are essentially paying interest to private banks for the privilege of being able to use their currency. And if you look on the top of a Federal Reserve note, the dollar it says Federal Reserve note. It used to say U.S. dollar. Right. It was a brief period under Kennedy where it said, uh, I think it says like U.S. silver notes or something like that. But uh, it used to say redeemable in gold. And anyways, it's been hijacked. It's right in front of our faces. Most people, you know, you're not taught this. You're not taught this if you, right. you know, you win the national freaking competition on it. And, you know, and so, I mean, it's sort of like a gallus humor because it's very depressing when you first like understood yeah, all this stuff. Right. There is like some, there's some like, yeah. yeah, there's some period of time. Like I know when I, was understanding all this i was like it's shocking almost to the system you have to go through this period of like unlearning all this stuff and like you said they don't want you to know this why because they don't want you to know the game right if you knew the game you wouldn't play nobody would play and so and that's also why i wanted to talk about this today especially about that banking piece and there's we can't get into it all in this episode so tim has a lot of great information on his website um he has two podcasts we'll talk about in just a second but start there start looking and understanding that fractional reserve banking and understanding the federal reserve isn't federal it's not reserved these are two very easy things that anyone can look up and information is out there and these are not this is true information it's not conspiracy theories right it's not you're the kooky one for asking these questions these are real things so if you can understand both of those two things like you said i think it helps get into the the the, um, crypto space and understand that a little more so let's talk about you mentioned central uh, central bank digital currency let's talk about what that is and what it isn't so it's going to have some of the, you know, the good features of Bitcoin, such as, you know, it's probably going to be quick, it's going to be easy, it's going to be convenient, but it's going to be tracked, traced, surveilled. And so everything you do is going to be essentially your money could be shut down by the government. And there's even a, we this is a whole nother subject, but uh, there's another bank that sits above the Fed called the Bank of International Settlements. It's in Basel, Switzerland. It's the central bank of the central banks and it's its own country, sort of like the Vatican. So that way it can't be, you know, audited. And it's, it, that's a whole other fascinating subject that almost no one ever talks about, but the head of that is this 400 pound guy, Augustus Karstens. Uh, you know, my, the last podcast we were joking around that, that he hit all the inflation by eating it. Cause he looks like job the hut, but he talks about how uh, he gave a speech where he said, we wanted the, we want the ability to block transactions. We want the ability to shut you down. And so they, you know, we're not theorizing they want to shut us down. They're saying that they want to shut us down. And, you know, the only thing he should be worried about is them shutting down like Big Macs or something. And so he's, I mean, they're, they're telling you what they want to do. And right. so with this, Which they always do. It's just nobody listens. Yeah. It's called vestigial magic where they need to put out what they're going to yes. do. Uh, so right. then that way, if you don't really object to it, it's sort of like the vampire, you know, letting being invited in. Uh, if I can like make an analogy to that. 
But getting back to CBDCs or central bank digital currencies, basically what they'll, they'll, they're not going to like turn up the heat immediately. It's going to be like a frog boiling thing. And, and actually the first uh, $1,200 CARES Act payment in May 2020, if you go back to the first text of that bill, the Maxine Waters bill, actually shows that they wanted to basically have a Fed coin to give you your $1,200 back then. And so that was a trial balloon, this 40-page paper that they just came out with. That was a trial balloon. Uh, there's an Atlantic Tracker. I forgot the exact website. It's like, if you type in like Atlantic Tracker uh, CBDC, you can see they're, they're tracking like a, a 90 different currency blocks that are around the world that are actively trying to either an implementation phase and research phase or an actual like hybrid testing phase or, or even rolled out. Like there's some Caribbean countries that already have this. And so it's not like a theory, like they're already doing this. And, and it's just a matter of like when and how they can trick people into accepting this. And so you've got actually the creator of the federal reserve system uh, is James Warburg. And he said, we, sh- we shall have a one world government. It's only a matter if it's through consent or conquest. And so they realized world war one, world war two, you know, it's, you know, you can't beat someone over the head and get people to, you know, accept, you know, the, the slavery to like a gun. So it's better to do it through getting people to beg for it. And so your intimidation. All, yeah. Yeah. All so, it. so people don't, so though it's a problem reaction solution, well, they'll come in with the solution and their solution to whatever is going on. So maybe the bond market crashes and because the dollar becomes, you know, worth a lot less. And all of a sudden, uh, you know, everyone who is in bonds gets, you know, wiped out and the government comes in and says, hey, we'll make it whole just, you know, but it's going to be through our CBDC. And, you know, so that's like one way that they could do that. Or it's like, hey, we're going to give, you know, some thousand dollar a month stimulus if you're if you're a good little citizen. And we're going to give that through a CBDC. And then eventually it'll be, oh, sorry, you didn't get vaccinated. Uh, you know, you're not getting your thousand bucks a month or it'll be, oh, hey, uh, you know, we've got this separate account for you that's stacking up like a thousand dollars per family member per month, but you don't get it until 90% of your local neighborhood is vaccinated. And actually that was a Brookings Institute plan. So, I mean, this is, I mean, it's, that's actually one of the plans that they've actually come up with. And like they had their psychologists try to figure out like how to war game this to get people to accept that. So, I mean, the CBDC basically is instead of having a dollar that's backed by that, basically it's going to be a dollar that you get through a federal reserve that's going to sit on your phone. And it's, but the thing is they also want to, you know, keep the big banks around too. So basically the, they're going to, you know, shuffle this through the big banks as well. So then that way they don't cut them all out, even though the right. big banks own the fed, it's pretty much the same thing at this point. Um, so tell us how the central bank digital currency is different from Bitcoin, Ethereum, any other um, type of crypto, or is it? So Bitcoin, and one of the reasons I didn't get in super, super early, like a dollar early, is because I had just read a creature from Jekyll Island, and I thought that blockchain was going to be used as like the mark of the beast. But this is 2010 understanding of it. I mean, so if anyone wants to criticize me, okay, what were you doing in 2010 researching Bitcoin? Yeah, probably nothing. So uh, basically, at this point, like the underlying technology of Bitcoin is the blockchain, but they're going to use that technology, just like a gun can be used to, you know, save your life or to kill right. somebody. Right. So at this point, it's like the same thing where it can be used as the most freeing thing to humanity or the thing that enslaves us uh, the most. And so obviously the government version is going to be the enslaving version of this. And uh, But the government doesn't control Bitcoin. They only control the c- central bank digital currency, correct? Yeah. So the, yeah. So the so basically with the central bank digital currency, they can track you, trace you, surveil you, shut you down. Uh, you know, they can and willy nilly say, oh, hey, you know, instead of having 
uh, $5 trillion. I don't know how many dollars out in existence. But instead of having $5 trillion out in existence, uh, we're going to have $20 trillion. They press a button and they just expand it. Whereas with Bitcoin, the code, uh, I mean, somebody could fork Bitcoin and it's a whole other subject and then create their own. But if no one uses it, then that goes to zero and everyone still uses the main chain. And so essentially, there's enough of a consensus on there that people want the 21 million. There's only 21 million. There's not even 21 million million. There's more than 21 million millionaires in the world. So there's not even enough for every millionaire to have one. And at some point, I think the currency is going to break down. And you know, whether it's tomorrow or five years or 10 years or 20 years, I think on a long enough time horizon, it's uh, you know pretty much a done deal that you know whoever is the world reserve currency, they're not. That's not the situation forever. I mean, and Klaus Schwab's COVID-19, the great reset. And I, you know, recommend people go and, you know, learn who Klaus Schwab is. I mean, this was his book right here. And I think it's on page 72. He talks about like the sub chapter title is called uh, something like the fate of the U S dollar and how it's a great, great privilege to for the dollar to be the reserve currency and how we're abusing that and how it's not fair to the rest of the world. And it's really not, uh, you know, from a purely objective standpoint that we get to print all this money and have our inflation go overseas and not really, I mean, obviously now we're getting the inflation that's just now starting to come back. And according to Joe Biden, the best way to get that under control is to pass like a $3 trillion build back better plan to borrow more money that we don't have to help out with the inflation is, you know, pretty much their grand plan, which means there is no plan. And, uh, and it's different from Bitcoin that the network controls Bitcoin. There's no way that they can stop me sending something to you, uh, but they could stop, you know, essentially like digital currency from being sent. Uh, but then there's, you can get into, there's going to be, there's going to be ways where they bamboozle Bitcoin too, because there's these like second layers, like the lightning network, and eventually that will be become a bank. And then they'll probably end up getting people there. Or if you use like Bitcoin through like PayPal app, that's like a third layer where right. PayPal could shut you down. And that's getting probably outside the scope of like the conversation of getting into like lightning and stuff. But essentially Bitcoin is decentralized. It can't be shut down the network, whereas the CBDC can be shut down or you can be shut down. And they can also inflate it, you know, with a flick of, you know, flick of a wrist, just, you know, right. you know, have 10 times the, the supply of units. And they can also just take your money too. So, oh, hey, you know, we think you owe this much on your taxes or uh, we're going to have a negative interest rate or they're going to have a, and we have an episode that was titled, I think, Digital Programmable Weaponized Money. And so what they're doing in China is they were, um, and I always feel like they need to say it like in a Trump voice, like China. What we're doing in China is to, uh, they're having like these, they're having their stimulus right now. They're giving their people like 30 bucks. I think they gave them $30 and the opportunity to win free laundry for a year. So, I mean, the people are selling themselves out for free laundry and $30 in China to get their version of the central bank digital currency. And, uh, and they've also talked about trying to put like expiration dates on, on the money that they get. Uh, so then that way, you know, Hey, we're giving the stimulus it expires in you know, three months. So then they force people to then get it out into the economy. So that's another potential potentiality because with Bitcoin, you it's programmable money. And so, you know, obviously it's thing we programmed and weaponized against us. And that's why I called it programmable weaponized money in the podcast. And uh, that's probably, you know, if they can do it, they are going to do it. And so, but if this will start off, you know, frog boiling, so they're not going, right. you know, they're not it's going not to be tomorrow. They want to suck, every, just like YouTube, you know, it sucks everybody in or Facebook and, oh, it's free and commons and you guys can say whatever you want, as long as you're not making like terroristic threats or anything. And then they get you all sucked in. And then, you know, all of a sudden, if you start talking, you know, against the narrative, then they kick you off. So 
Yeah, I've been right. kicked off YouTube, you know, kicked off Facebook. Businesses around that. And like, as you know, you were in that situation and you got kicked off. And, um, and let's, so let's talk to just touch briefly on that because your, your background, your, your opinions, the fact that you will say your opinions is, um, like I said, your website says, congratulations on finding one of the only financial advisors that has taken the red pill. I mean, immediately I was like, hell yes, I got to talk to this guy. And, but your, your opinions and your thoughts are so, um, different than mainstream, um, other mainstream advisors. So, and I understand that from what happened to you back in 2018, this, uh, caused some problems for you. So can you share a little bit about that with us, about what you went through and how you ended up on the other side? Yeah. So in, uh, I mean, after basically getting shadow banned off Facebook in 2016, November 16th, 2016, uh, and this sounds ridiculous, but I had a fake news list go viral, uh, two and a half months before Trump used that term. And then I had one person by name on that list and it was Paul Krugman. And then, uh, and I'm a libertarian anarchist voluntarist. Like I don't care about Trump. So it's not like about him, but then I listed one person by name and that was Paul Krugman. And a half later he won Trump's award for most fake news, but my, I had a meme. It was just called fake news list. And so basically I'm claiming to be the first one to throw it back at the left. And that's a whole nother story. I'm not, I didn't, I'm not the first person to ever throw those two words together, but they didn't like that. And so I went from reaching millions of people a week off like a standstill. I mean, I, I grew a huge page in two months and then they shut me down from there. And then I got shut down from uh, world alternative media's YouTube page. And then I was on, we are changed. Then we got demonetized over there with 700,000 subscribers. So, I mean, I know. And so this then led me more into blockchain once I realized, hey, you know, with Ethereum, you can build these applications on top of blockchain that can't be shut down. And so then that got me interested in in the space was actually more so with Ethereum than even even Bitcoin because of the fact that I realized you could do more than just, you know, send fake money back and forth. Mm -hmm. uh, so then come, so then I'm like dipping my toes in and then, you know, come August, 2017, um, uh, one of my, friends who, uh, you know, is a very early adopter of Bitcoin said, Hey, we got a bunch of rich crypto people here. And this one, Bitcoin is like $3,000. And, you know, how do they get their money out of Bitcoin? If they want to, you know, Hey, they put in 5,000. Now they've got 10 million. Like, how do you take 2 million off the table? Not get killed in taxes. And so I came up with different charitable, uh, giving strategies, charitable remainder trust, where you can donate Bitcoin, but then the money gets paid to you while you're alive. And, and upon your death, it goes to charity. Uh, and you had, and if you're in the right situation where if you, if your assets are, have low enough cost basis and, uh, and you're old enough and, and things work out, it, you actually can make out by, you basically get more money by giving your money away than if you don't give your money away. And that's why all the super elite give their money away. So, I mean, it's not because, because of how the tax code is written. So I brought that to crypto and, and then that people started asking me about crypto IRAs, uh, you know, right around the same time since 2017. And then all of a sudden, uh, and then I'm working on this and all of a sudden, like two months later, Bitcoin goes through the roof and all of a sudden it was on everyone's radar. And then come like January, 2018, I was already set to go speak at Eric Apoco. I've been already doing this before it got, before it was like the in vogue thing. And I would actually, what's, as a, that? what's that event? Uh, it was called Anarcha Poco is a, uh, like the biggest sort of like like anarchist, voluntarist, crypto event, uh, you know, like there is, and they get basically 2000 people like me on the beach in Acapulco, Mexico, which, you know, supposedly is the fourth most dangerous city in, in the world. And it's just it's like, probably like the time of my life every year I went right. there. But right. uh, this year I'm not going because I didn't want to wear a mask. And like last year I, I didn't go because uh, they didn't, they didn't really have it last year. They right. did, but there was like, I went to a satellite event last year. So, uh, you know, it was, it's, 
unfortunate because of how it used to be. I mean, that will probably never really, really get created again, but you'd have like Dr. Ron Paul was there and Gia Griffin was there and Mike Maloney, who, which I recommend people check out his hidden yeah. secrets of money series on YouTube. Uh, and actually both of those guys are backstage right, right before I had to go talk. So I had never talked in front of a big crowd before. And here there are, there's like going to be 500 people there, a lot of crypto, you know, millionaires and, you know, potentially billionaires there. I mean, Roger Veer, crypto, uh, Bitcoin Jesus was there. I mean, it was like a who's who of like everyone right. at this thing. Right. And, uh, and Jeff Berwick's the one that, that puts it on. And uh, basically right before I was about to go speak there, the company I was with LPL financial banned every advisor in America. And I was not their employee. I was, they're sort of like the bank that was holding on the client money. And then they mm -hmm. said I wasn't allowed to, or nobody was allowed to talk about Bitcoin, which then, and like, you weren't allowed to talk about Bitcoin, think about Bitcoin, recommend Bitcoin, like you just had to pretend it didn't exist. And so I'm like, you guys are idiots. This is like where everything is going. So I'm like, well, fine. So I had to pay a big fine to get out of a contract. Then the state of Air then uh, give up my series seven license. And then I gave the speech. Then I was going to try to get uh, with the current outfit I'm at now innovative advisory group, get on board here. But then the state of Arizona took forever to approve like my transfer paperwork. Like literally took between uh, like, I did this in February and didn't get on board until like, October had zero income. Bitcoin and Ethereum also had crashed down. Uh, so, you know, that didn't, I didn't really have a lot of money saved up because I'd already, because the early years of the financial advisor is like not really easy. I started in 2008. Right. Then I moved across country where I didn't know anybody. So that basically had to start over. Then I built things up in 2015. And then at a pretty much the earliest point I could jumped to go independent. And that was going to take about three years to sort of pay off. And I was, and it started like the payoff. Often as I like hit the point where I was actually like made money for the first time, then I lost my job. And then, then that ended up like causing me to like lose my house and like lose, get, end up getting like divorced and the, the whole, and now I'm like, I'm like super, like yeah, things are going really well now, but like I had to right. go through all this crap to right. get there. And what I wanted to bring this up was your story is so you didn't, you didn't fold. You didn't, it could have, would have been easy not to go on stage and give that presentation, right? It'd have been easy to be like, all right, fine. I'm going to shut it all down in the sake of comfort, but you didn't do that. And that's why I wanted to tell this part of your story, because I think it's amazing. I think it's um, inspiring. I think anybody that's listening is maybe in this, you know, especially with people, what people are going through now with their jobs with, you know, having to get vaccine or, or not and, you know, keep the job, whatever. Um, you have the story to tell where you stood your ground and it sucked and you went through a lot of shit, but you came out on the other side and then look how you're doing now. I mean, you never stop talking about what you believe and that is so critical and so important. Like what you hear so far, take what you've learned and invest in yourself with the create what you speak Academy. Visit create to learn more. Now back to the show. So I gave, I had a really nice like corner office, like across from like the Ferrari dealership and like a super like, a nice part of Scottsdale. And then I had to give that up and then it you know, ended up being like fortuitous because then, you know, now I would have been paying on something where you couldn't even go to the office for like, you know, like right. a year and a half type deal. <laughs> and then that forced me to actually go zoom only in 2018. And so I was using zoom, you know, decent amount in 2015. And then on the website, if you go to schedule now, it says like, what zoom is and people are like well everyone knows what zoom is I'm like well they didn't in you know 2018 right, right. And so the best part of this whole pandemic is that i never had to tell anybody what zoom was ever again uh <laughs> and so i had already gone virtual then decided to instead of trying to do like the normal thing where i'm out like networking and you know i guess now you can't you know you're not, you're not uh, shaking hands kissing babies anymore i guess that's not that's frowned upon but right, exactly. uh, in this uh, coronavirus age but you know the, the normal financial advisor thing i was like you know what i'm gonna go 
try to find people that are like me, you know, who knows how many of them there are. I think there's probably a lot, but you know, everyone's just too afraid to say it. Right. And my grandpa's like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And you should, uh, and then my dad, same thing. He's like, wait a minute. It's like you, uh, he's like, so let me get this straight. It's like your marketing plan is basically to, uh, you know, only work with libertarians. I'm like, well, you know, not quite, but he's like, but he's like, you, he's like, but not any libertarians, like the ones that are more hardcore, like you, I'm like, yeah, pretty much. And he's like, he's like, and they have to be in the crypto. I'm like, well, they don't have to be, but that helps. He's like, that's the dumbest effing thing I've ever heard. And then, uh, and then like, look at me like now, two, dad, right. And, and, I, and then I could and then probably like that week I bought put options at the S and P 500, like right before everything crashed in 2020. So I uh, ended up working out pretty well. And then, you know, like two months later, I like show him like what my pay stub was for that month. And he's like, we don't do such a, you know, a-hole about this. I'm like, well, you know, you're literally telling me not to, to stop what I'm doing, like right as right. I'm at the, he's like, well, my friend Gary's a cop and he won't work with you because he sees the stuff you post on Facebook. And I'm like, well, good. I don't work. And with he's not anyway, my customer. So. Right. Yeah, exactly. I'm, not, like, I'm not trying to, you know, go right. have Gary like me. I'm like, I, I'm trying to go one niche thing of what I right. want to do. And then people around the country are then going to find me if they resonate with that. And if they don't, and I try to literally be off putting someone going to a website, putting the red pill thing there. Cause if they're offended by that, then I don't have to waste my time. Like I'm right. not trying to change myself to get them to like me. Like I'm right. qualifying them to get them in the door, not the other way around. So, exactly. Um, and I love and that it, philosophy. I love that approach and that, um, that again, it's not folding over to the main. And that's again, why I want to talk about this because I want people to see that this can be done. You've done it. You did it. You went through the shit. You, lost your license for a period of time, right? You had all this stuff happen. And um, you had these moments where you had a choice where you could go back and you, I know you have had a family then you have kids. And so that I'm sure was even more played into it, but you still stuck by a your one, a one and two year old at home. At the time, right. So, and so and and wasn't these, working. Yeah. So these things yeah. that are crumbling down. So I um, it, it's just, it's, it's an inspiring story and I love it. And I, it, it, the, the resolve that you have about it, the fact that, you know, and our families are always like our worst critics, right? We have these ideas and they're the ones that want to shoot it down. And they're the ones that are the, the voice that we hear when we have those bad days. Right. But um, if you believe in something, if you stand for it, if you choose that, this is how my life's going to go, then that's what happens. And um, I think it's an amazing story. I love it. Yeah. And technically I, I didn't lose my license. So I gave up a series seven, which then okay, like sorry, operates in this like broker yeah. dealer world. And then I, cause I didn't realize when you're 22 and coming in the business and most people who are advisors today, like don't even know this stuff, but I didn't realize like you didn't even have to have a seven. And that if you're operating in this fee base or fee only type world, then you don't, you know, on the uh, RAA side of things, like you don't even have to have a seven, you can operate underneath either like a 65 or a 66. So I still operate underneath the 66. I just voluntarily gave up my seven. So I didn't lose it or they didn't. Okay, like, sorry, I was never I rep- so I know, but I was just, I was never like reprimanded. I never had like, right. any marks on U4 or anything, which is even more crazy that I, they wouldn't approve it after i had never had any complaints or and, and right. the, the fact that I'd never had any complaints and all the stuff and political stuff and all the crazy stuff I put out there and in this hyper politicized world, like you definitely would get some complaints and I haven't had any, uh, and they still, you know, came down on me pretty hard and but it made me more resilient because then the whole pandemic happened i was already doing things through zoom i was already right. getting clients virtually i was already working from home 
And then it, then the whole stigma became like, it used to be a stigma. Oh, your financial advisor working from home and how you try to, you know, dance around that. And then all of a sudden it became like, everyone's working from home. Right. Everyone's it's normal. It's not even, yeah. yeah if, you go into, if you go into an office now, then it's like, why would the person like, what, why does the person want to go in the office? Like, you know, like that, that's such a, like a weird thing, I think. And but- I like took, and I took out domains for like virtual financial planner. Actually, I took out domains for Bitcoin financial planner, but like all like 80 of them uh like uh like so i mean i'm forgetting some right now but like a crypto wealth advisor but, but a virtual financial advisor uh what's the other one robo financial planner like i mm-hmm. took out all these back then because i realized I'm like it, this is stupid that i'm driving like 40 minutes into town to scottsdale and phoenix right. is so huge that even if you're in the greater phoenix area it could take you know over an, an hour sometimes just to get to where you're going because it's so huge or more. So now that's like you're burning an hour one way, an hour another way. Yeah, uh, waste of and time just, and energy. And, and, and it's even the client's stuff. time too. Like their time is valuable. Yeah. And so a lot of people times that have like either phone meetings or Zoom meetings anyways. And th- then now I'm almost at the point where like the traditional financial planning model, it's all going to be irrelevant. And like, I mean, it's good to like be doing plans. And I came from that world of doing plans with people, but, you know, to say, oh, hey, we're going to invest in this. We're going to go up, you know, 8% per year. And we're going to do this. I mean, it's not going to matter when the currency eventually crashes and right. they have a reset of the dollar. It's not like you're all of your assumptions and everything are go out the window. And so I think it's more important to have like your asset allocation of, you know, throwing things in like, you know, gold and silver and crypto and, and you know, doing, you know, the equity portion of that, you know, if you want to, uh, you know, in a somewhat smart manner, because we you know we're at the inflection point now where in two months from now, the Fed's going to stop printing money, start raising rates. They said they're going to raise rates three times this year, three times next year. We'll see what they say today, but there's no way that's, that's going to happen. Uh, some of the banks think they're going to raise rates eight times. And the thing is, even if they do raise rates eight times, okay, great. You've got what, a two and a half percent uh, Fed funds rate when inflation's seven. Okay, you're still losing yeah. all this money per year. It's not going to stop it. And the only thing they can do is take the air out of this bubble to uh, the crash to market, or they've got to just accept higher inflation. And so they'll probably just accept higher inflation, make everyone get, you know, poor and poor and poor, you know, uh, you know, death to the thumb, you know, pricks over here, you know, paper cuts, and then and people are not, not aren't smart enough to realize maybe not your audience but just everyone in general they if you were to tax somebody an extra seven percent that but if you but if all of a sudden if everything costs seven percent more they don't necessarily blame the government policies on that they blame i mean they might blame who whatever was in charge you know brandon or they jerome powell but they're not gonna uh you know blame the fact that this whole system was based yes credit system that was ultimately designed to fail uh, and it's and it, and I wouldn't shouldn't even say fail because it was it's done its job where the central bank owns yeah. vast swamps and they never had the money to begin with and now they they're like the largest mortgage owner and they never had the money to begin with and then it gets even more corrupt so if you go back to you know 2020 this company BlackRock they ended up uh, taking their junk bond fund and then literally like selling it to the Fed at a hundred cents in the dollar as they were the brokers, so they got paid a broker commission to offload literally their junk bond Federal Reserve. Other companies got to offload their junk to the Fed uh, and get bailed out. And then, you know, no surprise that, you know, a few months before that, uh, they gave a, they as in BlackRock gave a speech at Jackson Hole in August 2019 saying what the Fed would need to do during the next crisis. And then lo and behold, they, they do those recommendations on the freaking paper and speech that they gave. And so, uh, <laughs> and, well, then, and, and then there's, 
yeah, it's it's just so many different like because the economy was about to go down in September 2019. There was this whole repo crisis going on and like trillion dollar a day. I mean, the the system was on the brink of implosion in September of 2019. And then I think a lot of what happened with the pandemic was basically like a financial cover up that went on where they were able to then get all this bad stuff off their balance sheet, shore things up for another few years, like increase the money supply by 80% of all the money that's ever been printed in two years. And everyone's eye was over here in the pandemic. Right. No one's eye was over here at the fed. And, um, and people just don't realize like how much the system was on the br- in September of 2019, uh, because, you know, they're watching football or they're doing something else, but I mean, the system was about to completely melt down and then it got, uh, you know, saved by all these, you know, extraordinary measures. Right. And so I know we're coming up on time here. So let's talk a little bit before we wrap up about your podcast and how people can find those, because I know there's so many things we talked about here that could be hours and hours of conversation. I know your podcast, you've talked about a lot of this and uh, those are things that people can go back and listen to. So why don't you tell us about those? Yeah. So I run a Liberty advisor show. Uh, I mean, a lot of times they're just talking about different things that I think are you know important. I mean, a lot of financial subjects, I mean, it's mainly I'd say more financial oriented, but then, you know, I'll get into these other, you know, little rabbit trails. Uh, and then I have a Tim and John show, which is my partner, John Snyson, which that is more of like a higher level financial geek show. So it's probably not necessarily like the intro show you'd want to start off in. Uh, Cause he's like a real, he's even like a bigger fan than I am. Uh, and so we've, we were both part of world alternative media and then we got kicked off YouTube in October of 2020. So you're not allowed to be putting out too much truth on there, but it started off as I would make a bunch of like wild claims. And then I would like say this stuff, but then I didn't like really have the proof besides like Facebook posts, but now I'm not even on Facebook. So I made a bunch of wild claims and I was like, you know, I just want to have like a record that this was out there. So before I even started the podcast, I did I had like, a, like, a, kind of like a little vlog series I did for a few months before the 2016 election. And uh, I predicted, and this sounds nuts, but I predicted Trump was going to win and they blame it on the Russians. And this is why they're going to blame it on the Russians in September of 2016. <laughs> and then at Anarchapoco in February, 2020, and I did this a bunch of other times on the podcast. Uh, I just don't have like the research crew to go back and dig all this stuff. But I had been saying uh, pretty much all along that they were, and I, I had a PowerPoint with six states on the PowerPoint saying that they're going to take these six states through the voting machines and one or two counties in the states they're going to rig them. There's a whole bunch of ways they're going to do it. And this is why they're going to do it. And Trump's going to lose. Now I thought he was going to lose to Pete Buttigieg, not to, not to Joe Biden, but uh, I don't know else that's, that, that said that Trump is going to win in 2016 and they're going to blame on the Russians. And then also say he's going to lose in 2020 and it's going to be because of the voting machines and there's fraction magic. And that's a whole nother subject of how they can like basically steal the votes. And that's just one of many ways. And the thing is, I don't, like, I voted write in Kanye West. Like, I don't, like, I knew the whole thing is a joke and yeah. I wanted to piss off everybody. I'm like, all right, I'll piss off all my friends that don't vote. Cause I voted. I'll piss off libertarians. Cause I was a delegate for them and didn't even vote for them. I'll piss off the, um, you know, obviously the Democrats and Republicans, but it's just a show like this whole thing is a joke and that you're better off taking care of yourself and your family, getting yourself prepared. Because if you put all of your, yeah. your weight and energy into, you know, puppets going to rule me better. Like I had high hopes for Trump and then he, went and immediately picked all has his fed chair. And, and that was basically the day that I got off the Trump train immediately. And then Joe Biden picks the same guy. I mean, so that's all you need to know is that yeah. literally first, first Obama picked him to be on the board of governors, then Trump picked him and then Biden picked the same guy. And so that's the guy that's really running things. Not, not the president, the president doesn't run Jack. And so 
and so as soon as Trump picked uh, Powell, I'm like, he's obviously out. You know, there's, you know, because people think that he's like, that knows, he knows everything about everything. And he knows everything about everything. But, you know, apparently, you know, he didn't understand the depths of how corrupt and how swampy the swamp was. And he just, you know, filled up more swamp, you know, in that. And that's, I'm sure this conversation is pissing off some people right now. But the thing <laughs> is, he then went on to say, picking Jerome Powell was the worst decision he ever made. And so I got a lot of crap. Uh, from the Trump people for that. But, you know, the, but the Trump people, if they had realized what I realized and realized that this guy was, you know, basically a Janet Yellen clone and Trump hated Janet Yellen, but yet now he picks uh, basically the male version of her. Like, I don't know what anybody well, was thinking. Uh, and so it's just any time spent, you know, in politics is basically wasted. I mean, I guess at the local right. level, it's, it's not, but you're know, like, oh, wow, this guy is going to do. And I think, you know, if Trump couldn't do it, I mean, who's going to, I mean, who, what other, you know, well, and then in? it comes back to what you just said, though, you're better off taking care of yourself and your family, because when you put your hope in anything outside of yourself, politicians, religion, whatever it is, you're looking, you're expecting an external savior to come in and, and, you know, save the day for you. And that's not if 2020 didn't show us that, I mean, you know, so putting your, your energy into these things outside of yourself to me is not uh, worth the time or the effort. And again, that's why I want to have these types of conversations to help people understand that, you know, there's other things going on and it's worth your time to investigate it and look into it and find out this information because it's not, it's not something that you, you can, you don't have to understand every little piece of it, but understanding the high level enough to, to, to see what's really going on helps you make different decisions. It helps you do things like you're saying, protect yourself, protect your family, think outside of the box little and don't just listen to everybody on Facebook saying Bitcoin's bad or, you know, this is good, right? Central bank digital currency is good. Look into it, figure it out for yourself and see what's right for you. And, and we, we have to stop putting these, um, these external politicians, uh, musicians, you know, actors, whoever on the pedestal and acting like they're going to come in and save the day. No, you, you are the one that's responsible for saving your own day. That that's the bottom line. So Tim, I want to thank you for having you on the show this week. This convert, we could talk for hours. I know, but we're coming up on the hour here. So I want to make sure that we have a few minutes to close out here. Um, let's wrap up by, I want to ask you two things. Usually I ask, um, my listener or the guests that I have, um, what's one piece of advice they would give the listeners. And I want to ask you that for two parts. So what's one piece of advice you leave the listeners with really about staying true to themselves in building their, you know, their lifestyle, whatever that is for them. And then also the second part of that is what's one piece of advice you would offer the listeners about the crypto space and, and building wealth based on our conversation today. Yeah, I say for the crypto space, I mean, first you want to, you know, do your own research and not just take anybody's word for it, but you also want to make sure you don't get, you know, involved in the different scams and people, they want to get into it for the first time and they're, they're not happy with Bitcoin because, uh, you know, they want to find the next Bitcoin. Well, the, the next Bitcoin is Bitcoin and, you know, you can, you know, dabble in these other smaller ones, but the people want to go from, Hey, what's, what's the cheapest one that I can buy the most of? And they don't realize that some of them have like a quadrillion or a hundred billion versus and so, so the price, you know, if you compare price to price, it's not apples to apples. Uh, so that's one thing I'd recommend people look into or be aware of. And then also the best time to buy is when others are fearful and then you, and then you want to be fearful when others are buying. It's a Warren Buffett quote. And so, uh, you know, right now there is something called a fear and greed index. You can, you know, duck, duck, go that search engine that you shouldn't be using Google, but you can uh, go search engine that and you'll find that yesterday we're, we're at a 12. And so anytime, I mean, right now it's at a 23. Which What's it called again? Screen. It's called the fear and greed index. Fear and greed index. 
And so right now the fear and greed index is showing a 23. That's extreme fear. So basically if you're at a hundred, that's extreme euphoria. Zero is basically Bitcoin's dead. And the best time, there pretty much has not been a bad time to buy when Bitcoin's been at like a 12 fear and greed. So I was in for my clients the past two days when we were down in the low, low teens or even below the teens, like a 12 buying more Bitcoin because uh, you want to basically do the opposite of what everybody else is doing. And so right. I'm not saying that this is the exact bottom or that it can't go a little bit lower, but you know, you want to, you, cause everyone always complains when it's high, Oh, I wish I bought Bitcoin when it's lower Then Bitcoin's lower. And they're like, Oh, I'm glad I didn't buy Bitcoin because it's crashing. And so, you know, there's some people out there like Peter Schiff who's a kind of like a famous like libertarian economist guy. And uh, you know, he's, I made a video compilation of him where he's like, oh, Bitcoin crashed on a 75, it crashed on a 150, it crashed on a 300, crashed on a 1,000, crashed on a 3,000, 5,000, 10,000, 20,000, 30,000. So, I mean, it keeps, he's been talking about it crashing ever since it was at like $70, but yet now it's, you know, crashed and still like, as we're filming this, like about 38,000. And so, you know, you're, you want to be stacking crypto uh, in, and using these opportunities to get into it more. But first, you know, you want to do your own research. You got to realize why you're in it. And if you're in it for, to make a quick buck and you don't really care about the underlying philosophical reasons. And, you know, a lot of those people got washed out. Half the people that came to the space came in last year. A lot of them panicked and they're panicking to the stronger hands. And then we keep building stronger foundations. And over a long timeline, the Fed's going to keep printing money. Uh, they're pretending that they're not right now, but they have a long track record of lying and saying and not doing the things they said they're going to do. And, uh, and then on the saying true to yourself thing, I mean, at this point, you know, you can do the traditional thing, work for one employer, but I mean, they can go and fire you, you know, willy nilly in two seconds. And so, mm -hmm. you know, in this day and age, you should be, you know, taking, you know, extra time you have and then figure, you know, whether it's a researching how to sell things online or how to build different types of niches or what, or what are, what are you passionate about and try to figure out what you're passionate about and then how to make money from that. And then do your main thing while then doing a little bit over here. And then eventually the little bit over here becomes the main thing. Right. And then you can, um, you know, sort of check out from the main system. And there's plenty of ways to do that online today. I mean, it just sort of depends what someone is interested in. And the people who are going to put you down the most are the people who are going to be closest to you. So right. it's going to be obviously like your yourself. parents and your, yeah. your, maybe your closest friends are going to be the ones to try to shoot you down. And it's not going to be easy. And uh, I mean, it might be easy, but I mean, it, I mean, luckily, hopefully it is, but you know, if, you know, it's going to be anything that's worth, uh, you know, fighting for is, you know, usually going to be hard and you got to have this you know, mentality and not, you know, have a, you know, get down on yourself. Cause I could have got incredibly down on myself. I mean, right. basically my business exploded in 2020 and I started off, um, and literally the day before quarantine, my wife and I decided to get a divorce. Like the day I couldn't think, and then the house that I was in, I was renting. And then, then the very next day, the, the homeowner goes, Oh, by the way, we're selling your home. So the plan was, I was going to stay there. So then I had to move. It's like, I had every pity party excuse. If I didn't want to go do something right. to, right. you know, wallow down and not do anything. And I decided to take that time and double down. And, you know, like I taught myself, and this is years ago, like video editing and taught myself some podcasting stuff and taught myself. And so people are, you know, wasting time online doing, you know, looking up cat memes. Scrolling on Facebook stuff. and such. Yeah. And I got off Facebook too. And I was on in 2004, like a super early adopter on Facebook. And then I realized, you know, I don't want to give my time and attention. Like they're making money off my attention. I'm paying right. them attention. And so, you know, they can't make money off me if I'm not on there. And actually I still have one page on there that's still 
sometimes reaches like a bunch of people, even though I'm not even on there, even doing anything. Right. Uh, so I'm still able to troll with not even being on there. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's been over a year now and it's been probably the most productive year I've ever had. And, and I was super addicted to it. And so it was sort of like my crack. And now I was able to break away from that addiction. Uh, and for a lot of people, it is an addiction. It is hard to break and they're keeping everybody in echo chambers. But I think it is possible in this day and age to, you know, there's so much great information. I mean, one thing you don't do is don't go out to a school and go spend $50,000 a year or more to right. have some, you know, economic, have some marketing teacher that knows nothing teach you about this stuff. Um, you know, you, you could take, if you want to, you know, like social media marketing, you can, you know, watch people like Gary Vaynerchuk. And, uh, the first time I heard his name is somebody goes, uh, you remind me of Gary V and I'm like, who the fuck is Gary V? They're like, that's exactly what he would say. And so I didn't, <laughs> so then I started paying attention to him. And then like Grant, Grant Cardone was, he has a Cardone university. I think it was mm-hmm. really, really good for you know people that want to know, you know, more about like marketing and uh, really sort of like helping like close deals. And so there's people who are experts who have courses and like trying to find those experts and, you know, teaching yourself is the best thing you can do. And then trying to figure out some sort of plan to do, uh, something that actually fulfills you because it's only a matter of time and they're coming for everybody, especially if you're not vaccinated. And so it's good being in a spot where you can control your own destiny, I think is what I'll leave people with. I totally agree. That, that, that's just a, an excellent way to, to put it. Um, Tim, again, I want to thank you so much for, for joining me this week. This has been uh, just, I just love this conversation. So um, can you tell the listeners a little bit more about how they can find you, your website and how they can work with you? Yeah, actually, I think it's in a construction right this second, but I know, but, but if you do, it's thelibertyadvisor.com is the best place you guys can go to. It's the Liberty Advisor because someone already took Liberty Advisor. So the Liberty Advisor, that's with an OR at the end. And then from there, there's like a media tab that you guys can click on. And then it shows all the places you can find me on like an Odyssey channel, BitChute, uh, you know, all the audio podcasts and iTunes and other places you'd find people. So it's audio and video. And uh, yeah, it's mainly on financial, big financial topics that are, uh, you know, of the day. And I've had lots of important interviews and I've like interviewed Dr. Judy Mikovits who started in pandemic and uh, Jim Griffin a bunch of times. And, and it's um, yeah, I just try to help people out by giving them an understanding of what I think is going on from all my research. And, uh, you know, people either like it or they don't like it, but, you know, I'm trying to do things the hard way by, you know, talking about economics and then also, you know, not taking the Trump route. Cause I got, could have gotten really popular if I just stuck with that. Right. But, uh, yeah, I'm trying to do things the hard way, but I'm doing it my way. So, you know, I'd rather be doing it my way and be smaller than, you know, be bigger and be more on the radar. Yeah, and be fake, you get more right? you get problems being on the radar too. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. And so if people want to work with you, is there information on your website to get scheduled and, and that? And, and what is your typical client? I guess I didn't ask that. Maybe we could close with that. Uh, typical client would be someone that resonated with anything I just said right <laughs> now. So, uh, you know, a lot of times are people who are distrust. They're either coming from people who already made a bunch of money in Bitcoin and want to figure out how to get out of it, or they want to start getting some crypto into their IRA, or uh, they're basically people that, you know, have been red pilled, so to speak, and they are sick of getting a cookie cutter 60, 40 portfolios from everybody right. else and having their advisors thinking they're crazy because they're talking about, you know, Jekyll Island or something or the Fed. And so those are pretty much the avatars of uh, almost all of my clients, uh, especially all the new ones at this point. And, uh, you know, you don't have to have crypto, you know, working with me, but, you know, I do recommend it because I, you know, personally think that that's, you know, where things are going along with gold and silver. But, you know, there's, you know, sort of many ways to get to the same place. And so my, you know, avatar is basically anybody that 
resonate with what's saying here. And, uh, and, you know, for those who don't resonate, you know, luckily for you, 99% of the other advisors are all the same, doing the same thing. So, you know, there's no shortage of them for, for you guys to go to. So. Yeah. Awesome. Well, again, Tim, thanks for joining us this week. Thank you so much for having me. Pleasure to be on. Yep. And I'll link to all his, uh, to the website and everything in the show notes. You've been listening to the create what you speak podcast brought to you by webtalkradio.net. You can hear the podcast on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and your favorite podcasting platform. I'm Sloan Fremont, and I hope you'll join me for the next episode of the Create What You Speak podcast, where, we'll, where we will continue to free our minds and learn how we can live free in an unfree, in an unfree world. Check out my website, sloanfremont.com, to learn more.